Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, February 27, 2020, from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, the XFL, or even this weekend's Honda Classic, putting together a lineup is fast and easy, and for you, it can be free when you sign up right now using promo code PIC, P-I-C, that's promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Thursday, February 27th. Um, I am fully expecting some type of tweet today, some type of news story in which they announce that coronavirus has hit Boston, has, and even maybe more specifically, has hit Salty or Dorchester. I'm expecting that. That's the type of day this has been so far on this Thursday, February 27th. Not a good start to the day, but what is up with coronavirus anyways? I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be one. But there's a lot of panic out there right now. Like, am I supposed to buy a mask for this? Is that the type of situation we're dealing with? Where I, where I should be out there buying a couple masks? Should I do this show with a mask? You watch clips of this show on YouTube? By the way, make sure you subscribe. Smash that subscribe button, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Do this show with a mask on? Like, what are we supposed to do about this? I tried watching the news for a few minutes, and they're really panicking about it. But, like, they're panicking. They're kind of implying that we should panic, yet they're not really telling us what to do. What am I supposed to do about coronavirus? Anything? Now wash my hands. I wash my hands anyways. Should I wash my hands with a different type of soap? Like, what am I supposed to do right now? A funny story about this type of situation. And I'll get to the biggest news of the day, though. To some people, this is the biggest news in the world, right? Um, but when they had SARS, remember that? And they're comparing this to SARS or Ebola. But remember SARS? What was that, like 10, 15 years ago? Me and my friends were in Montreal, and like I think we went up on like a Thursday morning. You know, we were all in a bus, right? And it was like one of those bus trips we all took up. It was like 40 kids on a bus, packed into a bus, going to Montreal. No idea what we're getting ourselves into. And we're up there, and everybody, like I remember going to the, I remember going to a package store, to a liquor store in Montreal, and everybody. And their mother was wearing these masks, like the masks that you see people wearing now for coronavirus. And like, we didn't really have any idea what was going on. And I remember asking people and they were like, oh, it's, it's SARS. And we were like, what is SARS? <laughs> like, what is that? We're the only, we're literally the only people in the street one day without masks on. We didn't have any masks. We didn't know what was going on. You know, we were just bouncing around. We were just bar hopping. And uh, we went out to get some beer one day and everybody had a mask on. In downtown Montreal, because it was SARS. I don't, I mean, I never got SARS as, as far as I know, right? And if I did, I recovered from it and didn't even know I had it. Is coronavirus similar to that? Like, where are we going with coronavirus? Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't have the answers for you. I'm asking questions. I want you to provide me with the answers. Here's what I do know. If there was a tweet today that said coronavirus has hit 
Boston, then I would not be shocked because, like I told you, the news has already not been good. And I'll give you the two stories that I'm talking about. The first story is news today that Tom Brady, according to ESPN's Jeff Darlington, Tom Brady is not coming back to the Patriots. That he's done. He, you know, he's, he's, he's moving on. He's going to sign with another team. That's it. It's over. That's the story. That, to me, that's the, that's the top story in my world. Because if Tom Brady signs with another team, I, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do next year. <laughs> next NFL season. Like, I'm serious. Like, I, Tom Brady, as my quarterback is a very important thing in my life. You might you might laugh. I know I laugh and giggle a little bit right now, but it's true. Like, am I supposed to watch the NFL next year if Tom Brady's not the Patriots quarterback? Am I supposed to root for the Patriots? Am I? Am I supposed to watch that league with all the garbage that we see around the league nonstop? I'm supposed to watch the NFL with Tom Brady playing for another team? Like, that's devastating stuff to me. If that is true, is any of it true? We really don't know. All we can do is listen to what these reporters have to say about Tom Brady's future and the decision that Tom Brady has to make before next season that he could make uh, next month, or I guess in just a couple weeks. The new NFL league year begins in the middle of March, and, uh, you know, we, we only have a couple days here left in February. So Brady's going to be making a decision soon. And... What ESPN's Jeff Darlington is reporting today, what he said on ESPN is, quote, again, Jeff Darlington, ESPN, says, quote, I'm now at the point where I would be stunned if Tom Brady went back to New England. End quote. ESPN, Jeff Darlington, I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. People in the business say he's a very well-connected, he's a respected reporter, and we should respect his reports and at least hear him out, and we shouldn't just immediately dismiss it. However, I told you, when when all of these rumors began, when when this process with Tom Brady and the potential of free agency began, what did I tell you? I told you, he's gonna play the game. If Tom Brady wants to go to free agency so bad, what does he want to do? Well, he wants to he wants to go out and see what's out there, and he wants teams to throw themselves at him. He wants leverage. I mean, th- this is a leverage play. So, what is po- if you're going to test free agency? You want to test free agency. You want that leverage play. You you take that leverage. You use it to your advantage. How do you use it to your advantage? Well, you tell reporters certain things. You play the game. I told you Brady was going to play the game. And by playing the game, what you do right now, this is just a smart business decision as somebody who does want some type of leverage in negotiations with multiple teams as a free agent, who is the greatest quarterback of all time. How do you use that leverage to your advantage? Well, you talk, you have your agent talk to reporters, you have your people talk to reporters, and you tell them certain things that they should report. And obviously somebody is telling ESPN's Jeff Darlington that Tom Brady is not going back to the Patriots. Somebody 
important, and I would assume close to Brady. Like, I don't think Darlington's going to get this bit of information from the Patriots and then say he'd be stunned. Like, I don't, I don't think he would use this word stunned if he wasn't talking to Brady's camp. He's got to be talking to Brady's camp. So someone from Brady's camp tells Jeff Darlington something that makes Jeff Darlington go, all right, I got to get on ESPN and I'm going to tell him that I'd be stunned if Tom Brady returns to the Patriots. Am I saying that Jeff Darlington is making this up? No. But could somebody be lying or stretching the truth to Jeff Darlington in order to play the game like I told you Tom Brady would? Yeah, that's very possible. That is very possible. I mean... (laughs) Look, somebody was playing the game with Adam Schefter, who's just as respected, if not more respected than Jeff Darlington, more connected than Jeff Darlington. Adam Schefter yelled at us for, I think, like a full year, a full calendar year, and told us that the Patriots were never going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Did, did Adam Schefter make that up? No, I don't think he made it up. But I think somebody who told him that was not necessarily telling Adam Schefter the whole truth. Somebody was playing the game, and they were using Adam Schefter. Um, I just don't think, like, like, because you have to then explain. If you're going to tell us today that you're you're a reporter, you're well-connected, and you're at the point where you'd be stunned if Tom Brady didn't return to the Patriots, why? Nobody's given us the why, because if you're so stunned right now on February 27th, like, you, oh my God, you're telling me that something happened between the Patriots and Brady. What happened? Or what didn't happen? Like, was some, what happened that was so drastic in the last two weeks that made Brady go, nope, screw them, I'm not going back there. What? What happened? What could happen? I don't, I don't get it. So, it just, to me, this, using the words, he'd be stunned if Brady wasn't returning... When technically free agency hasn't even begun, it it just strikes me as being Brady's camp playing the game and nothing more than that. That's just the way I feel about it. That's my opinion. I don't have, I'm not connected to Brady in any way. I'm not connected to anyone in this story. I don't have any, um, you know, factual information or sources or anything that people are telling me. Nobody's telling me anything on this. But like, what has happened between the Patriots and Brady that makes that would make it so stunning all of a sudden for Brady to return to the Patriots. Really? Is it would it be stunning if Brady would would you be stunned if Brady returned to New England? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be, but somebody told Jeff Darlington something that makes him stunned. Well what did they tell him? What's going on? What's the deal? I I, I just I think it's an exaggeration, not not even by the reporter. I think it might be an exaggeration by the source in order to drive up some type of public negotiation. And you know what's going to happen? The Patriots going to do the same thing. You're going to, Adam Schefter is going to report something in the next couple of weeks from the Patriots end that he's hearing from Belichick or Kraft that makes it sound like the Patriots are ready to move on. That's the next report. I'm telling you. And when you hear that, just know That's the Patriots firing back by also playing the game publicly. It's a public negotiation. These things happen. And 
that's the next report. The next report is going to be that the Patriots are prepared to move on or are now preparing to move on without Tom Brady. You know, my fear with this stuff would be that they play the game publicly so much that maybe they do piss each other off to a point where we do get, we do get Brady saying, I'm not going back there. They're going to do this to me. I'm not going back there. So I actually don't want to see the Patriots play this game with Brady, but I do think they're going to. But if this, if we're talking, if this is about free agency and Brady going to free agency and Brady talking to teams, which I, I guess he's going to do, right? We have to accept that he's going to do that. He's going to talk to teams. Um, you know, he's going to at least kick the tires on some things. You know, maybe just because he wants to find out himself, it's he has that right. And, and or maybe he wants to drive up the price for the Patriots and scale them a little bit and, and put the gun to their head and say, hey, I don't just want money. Or, or maybe it's not about money. Maybe it's about weapons. Again, we talk about he wants the Patriots to get more weapons. Hey, go out, give up, give up a lot to get Stefan Diggs. Let's go. You know, commit to me. You don't just commit to me by, by bringing me in for, for 25, 30 mil a season for the next two seasons. You commit to me by giving me something to work with that is going to be committed to this like I'm going to be committed to it, but you have to commit to me by doing that, by making that move. Um, You know, all of this could just be that type of, of negotiation to put the gun to the Patriots' head. But if Brady talks to teams, and let's say a team, and I've said this before, like I, I feel like this is, like I'm having, de- I had deja vu today leading into the show as I'm sort of putting together my my notes, my cliff notes for, the, for what I'm going to talk about today. It's like, didn't we do this? And didn't we do this with Jeff Darlington? Like, I feel like we just did this. This deja vu. Like, what is it? We're going to continue to do it. I'm going to continue to have deja vu on this. Because I think this is going to continue to happen. But if Brady goes out and let's say the Raiders or the Chargers or another team, we can rule out the Giants. Like, Brady's not going to the Giants. You think Brady's going to go play for the Giants? He's not playing for any team that that is... That is Eli Manning's team. He's not playing for... He's not going to go to Indianapolis either because that's Peyton Manning's team. I know Peyton Manning finished his career with Denver, but still. Then you could rule out Denver as well. Like, Brady does care about his legacy. If you care about your legacy, you're not going to... You're not going to go play for the team that Eli Manning played for. They just celebrated his career. Or Peyton Manning. Like, you're not going to go to those teams. She can rule those out. So let's say it's the Chargers and the Raiders. They make offers to Brady. You mean to tell me that Tom Brady is not going to go back to the Patriots? You mean to tell me he's just so done with them that he wouldn't even talk to Robert Kraft again? He's saying, ah, Robert Kraft calls him and he says, ah, you know what, Robert? Sorry. I just don't even want to hear I don't want to listen to your counteroffer. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Do we really think Tom Brady's going to do that? He would be some special type of asshole to do that. I, and, and, and from everything that I know and believe and also can see from afar that this guy, what this guy wants, which is to have the best chance to win, he is going to listen to Robert Kraft and a potential counteroffer if another team makes Tom. It's not going to be like a team offers Tom Brady a big deal and Brady automatically, you know, jumps the gun and signs the contract. It's not going to work like that. And if it does work like that and he doesn't go back to the Patriots, like, first of all, that doesn't make any sense from a business perspective. So that's not going to happen. He's going to go back to the Patriots and say, guys, here's what I got. 
What are you thinking? That's going to happen. And then it's going to be on the Patriots. Ultimately, this thing is going to come down to Robert Kraft. And because of that, like I've said from day one, because they traded Jimmy Garoppolo, the Patriots have their hands tied. Like, they will bring Tom Brady back. Robert Kraft will not let Tom Brady play for another team next season. And if he does, the Patriots will lose me. They will. They will lose me. I will be I will be done with the New England Patriots. I've already said this. Because just give Brady what he wants. That's where I'm at. And some people say, well, salary cap, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't really give him what he wants. Give Tom Brady whatever he wants. What do we do? Like, don't make this complicated. If you thought Garoppolo was your guy, you, then you shouldn't have traded Garoppolo. You should have given, given him the dumb franchise tag, paying him $26, 27000000 million to be a backup. You should have done that. Would have been a bad business move, but you know what's even a worse business move? Trading Jimmy Garoppolo and then not being able to re-sign Tom Brady. Two years later. So it, 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 if you don't bring Brady back, it just makes no sense. So if, if none of that makes any sense, then what we're seeing right now has to be simply some type of negotiation, not just from Brady's end, but also from the Patriots' end. And I do always come back to Tom Brady knows what he wants to do in his final years in the NFL as he tries to get to this target age of playing till he's 45. And maybe he plays a year or two after that. I don't know. I mean, it would be unprecedented, right? But but maybe he feels so good that that's what he thinks he could do. Maybe he's going to try to do it. But Brady isn't just playing to play. He's playing to win. If Tom Brady's playing to win, then it's not just about money. You know, I might be part of it, and, and, and good for you. Like, I'm not saying it shouldn't be about money. Try to get as much money as you can. I say that, I say that about every NFL player, every professional athlete. Get as much money as you can. But with Tom Brady, it's about winning. This guy is the biggest competitor the league has ever seen. So he's not just playing to stick around. He's playing to win. He's playing to win next year. Tom Brady, when he plays in the NFL next year, has one goal. To win next year's Super Bowl. Where is it? In Tampa Bay? He wants to win next year's Super Bowl. That's his goal. That's his goal. Is it Super Bowl 55? Little Super Bowl LV in Tampa? That's what Brady wants to win. That's his, that's his only goal. So whatever choice he decides to make is not just about money. It's also about, and it's not even just about personnel. Like this whole idea that in, in your early 40s, you're suddenly going to get up and just jump into a new system with a new sta- coaching staff in a new facility with a whole new roster and a whole new way of doing things. People don't take that into account. Like, that's a big jump. That's a lot to do, especially for a guy that no longer likes to uh, participate in voluntary workouts in the offseason. Brady doesn't do the voluntary stuff anymore. I mean, he's earned that right. Well, yeah, I've knocked him a little bit for that in the past, but he's not the only veteran that, I mean, look, if anyone's earned the right to not have to show up to voluntary workouts, it would be Tom Brady. He's, he's already shown that he doesn't want to do that shit anymore. 
that, that doesn't mean he, he wants to win any less than he than he wanted to win 10 years ago, but I, I think what he is showing there is this isn't a guy that suddenly wants to get up and, and go learn all this, you know, just go play in a new spot with all this new stuff around him. Like, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And it's a lot more complicated than I think anybody wants to give it credit to be. So that's a factor. Where is the best chance for Brady to win next year's Super Bowl? Where is it? I mean, the Patriots are pretty high up on that list. Okay. Whether whether you agree with any, whatever you think about the relationship between Brady, Belichick, Kraft, and whatever those three, whatever you think that relationship is. You have to admit, from a football standpoint, based on how long these guys have been together, Josh McDaniel's still there. They say Dante Skarniecki is retired, but, you know, there's reports over the weekend that he's at the NFL Combine helping the Patriots still. So, like, he's already getting that itch <laughs> um, to come back again, come out of retirement again. Dante Skarniecki is like a w, real, he's a real-life WWF superstar in the NFL. He He's just... You know, it's like, what do old school wrestlers do? They come back. That's what they all do. They all come back. Dante Skarniecki is a WWF wrestler. What's, what does Dante do? He comes back. He retires, and then he returns. Yeah, he makes a special appearance. He's helping him out at the combine. Next thing you know, he's going to be uh, coaching up this Patriots offensive line to a Super Bowl, blocking Tom Brady again. Like, would you be surprised if any of that's happening next year? I wouldn't be. So when you factor everything in, Okay, this is one report from Jeff Darlington. I, I believe I believe there are things being said to him that would make him feel this way. I don't think he's making this up. But I do think there's somebody that's playing some type of game, knowing that this message is going to get out, knowing that we're going to go nuts about it here in New England, and it's going to put some pressure on the Patriots. The PR battle is also something that, that could be going on here. And... and it, it, it's to me. It's not as simple as Jeff Darlington would be stunned that Brady, if Brady that Brady would return to the wing, and he'd be stunned if that happened. So we should just take him at his word, and Brady's gone. Like it's just not that simple. I'm not buying that Brady is leaving. I'm not buying it yet, and and maybe I don't buy it until I see him in another uniform. But as long as there are negotiations to be played out. As long as I believe that Kraft is going to get the last convo with Brady before he signs with another team, and I think he will get that. I absolutely think he will get that. You think you think Brady has no respect for the Patriots? Like, we, we, we're making Brady out to be this evil dude that, you know, doesn't like anyone in the Patriots organization to the point where he wouldn't even, he's not even going to talk to them again. He's moved on. I don't think that's the case. So, I still think Tom Brady is going to be a member of the New England Patriots next year. And I think that because of all the factors, all the reasons I gave you. This New England gives him the best chance to win next year, and that's what he wants to do. Robert Kraft is going to get the last conversation with Brady before he signs on the dotted line with another team. And I don't think Kraft will let him leave at that point. The Patriots also know deep down inside that as much of a negotiation that they want to make this out to be publicly, privately, they understand they traded Jimmy G. 
And so their hands are tied. They committed to Brady. But Brady's camp also knows that that's how they feel. And so that's why they know they have leverage and they're using that leverage and they are trying to squeeze everything out of that piece of leverage that they can. And that's why you're seeing reports like this. That's why you're seeing them talk to people like Jeff Darlington and tell them, get this out. Here's what's going on. Something happened. Jeff Darlington then saw that, talked to someone and said, uh-oh, he's, he's gone. I'd be stunned if Brady returned to the Patriots. And we all buy into it. And it turns into a huge story. And then, you know, now it's all eyes on the Patriots. What are the Patriots going to do? Well, I, I do think the next news is probably going to be Another reporter reporting that the Patriots are getting ready to move on from Brady. That could be the next report, and that'll be the Patriots playing the game. Oh, they'll be like, that's their way of saying, oh, you think you got leverage on us? No, we're ready to move on. And it's just going to be, you know, who do you believe? But ultimately, to think that Brady and Kraft won't have a conversation at some point during free agency if Kraft doesn't do everything he can to keep Brady in New England, then, I mean, I'm out on the Patriots if that happens. Like, you got to bring him back. What could he possibly be asking for that you can't give him? If he's asking for weapons, well, make some moves and get him weapons. I mean, is he asking for a piece of ownership? Like, with that? See, then it's a different conversation. Because then it starts to... Then all of a sudden... You know, the, the, the blame can be pointed towards Brady a little bit. It's like, well, I can understand if somebody doesn't want to give up ownership to a player. If a player's going to make that part of a negotiation, I can understand if an owner didn't want to do that. If the Kraft family didn't want to do that. I could understand it. You know, that, but, so that's a different conversation. I don't think it's there, though. I don't think it's there. And because I don't think it's there, I do think that Brady's going to return. I do. And I am not buying into this idea that something happened over the last two weeks. Like, what happened? Explain it to us. He wants to live in a different part of the country? Like, what does he want to do? Um, I can tell you that I... <laughs> I, I, know you, I, know, I know what people are thinking. They're like, well, now Danny's just talking himself into this. Like, he really doesn't want to see Brady with another team. So he's brainwashed himself into believing that he'll never leave and that the Patriots will never let him leave. I mean, in a way, maybe you are right, but at the same time, I am thinking about this logically. And logically, from a business perspective, I can understand Brady's team playing this game. I could also understand the Patriots maybe playing the game with him publicly in, in the public negotiation of leaking things to reporters, but I can also understand the business side of it, which is all the other factors. You got to think that Kraft and Brady are going to sit down one on one before Brady would ever actually sign on the dotted line with another team. And if that conversation happens, I, I, I would be stunned if Robert Kraft didn't do everything in his power to make sure Tom Brady, he's going to do everything in his power in that meeting to keep Brady in New England. And if he doesn't, I'd be shocked. And it could come down to that final meeting. But if it does come down to that final meeting, which I believe they'd have, I'd put my money on a press conference later that day announcing that Brady has signed an extension with the Patriots. 
That's, that's, to me, that's not brain, me being brainwashed. That's me using logic. That's me using logic on the situation. So whatever happens, I'll react to it here moving forward. I'm sure there'll be more rumors over the weekend as the NFL Combine uh, continues, is ongoing. What's the story there? The kid Burrow from LSU, to get small hands or something? They're knocking the size of the kid's hands? I don't know. He had a great tweet about his hands. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Um, you can look it up. I, I don't have it. I, I, my phone is all messed up right now. I'm trying to... What, what else is new with technology that I use? All right, I just got this phone like four months ago. It's already got issues. What are we doing, Apple? They want me to go back in that store? What? What am I going to do in that store? Didn't that people could be coughing all over me? All of a sudden, I got a broken phone and coronavirus? Like, come on. What are we doing? Why does my phone not work right now? I just got it. It's a brand new phone. Like, what's happening? I have, I have more space on this phone, more gigabytes, megabytes. Any type of bytes you can think of, I got them. It's all, I get free space. My phone just doesn't work. That's just my life in a nutshell. Technology not working for me. I'm not going to go back in that store, though. It's just not going to happen. I can't do it. I can't, I can't force myself in there, especially with, you know, people in the mall. You think I'm going into a mall right now? <laughs> I got hand sanitizer in my car. You think I'm going into a mall? During this coronavirus shit? No way. I'm not doing that. Until I'm, I'm going to buy one of those masks. I'm not even messing around with you right now. Like, I watch a little of the news. They are panicking over this shit. So, anyways, my phone's broke. I was going to pull up the Joe Burrow tweet, but I, I just I can't do it. Um... But uh, that, that said, what's the other bad news? Any, any good news today? No, we got no good news. The Red Sox, you'd think maybe at some point they give us some good news. They don't. Red Sox manager Ron Renneke down at spring training, he says that Chris Sale, the ace of the Red Sox, he says that Chris Sale will not be ready for opening day and that Chris Sale will begin the season on the injured list, previously known as the disabled list, the DL. We call it the IL now. I hate that. Let's just call it, like, I like saying, you know, the 15-day DL, the 30-day DL. Now it's the 10-day IL, whatever it is, the injured list. Chris Sale. Now, Chris Sale is not injured, by the way. Speaking of illnesses, he has, or he had an illness. He had uh, pneumonia. He had a minor case of pneumonia. Is any case of pneumonia minor? I'm not posing as a doctor today, but maybe I should Maybe I should. I'm giving you a lot of information on illnesses. He had, then he had the flu. Like pneumonia turns into the flu on the way out. Like I don't know. Maybe he had coronavirus and nobody wants to tell us. They so don't want us to panic. Anyway, Sale's not injured. He's the ace of the Red Sox. It's February 27th, and they're already ruling him out for opening day? And he's not even injured? So he's a couple weeks behind. Wait. You can't catch up? It's February 27th. What planet am I on? We're the ace of your staff. Your best pitcher. Opening day used... Remember when that used to mean something? Like, your opening day started. That used to be a big thing. 
Now we're ruling out the ace on opening day on February 27th, a month before the season. And he's not even injured. He's going to begin on the IL. Oh, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Sale, but if, it's, if this is just a setback for a few weeks because he was sick, because he was ill, you know what? I don't believe that. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe Chris Sale is, is, is missing opening day because he was sick. He's got to be injured. He's got to be. Why else would you rule him out? I understand the logic and the thought process with Sale is that maybe you ease him into the season knowing that you want him at full strength, at full strength towards the end. Um, because you remember, you know, the year they won the World Series, when he began the postseason, you know, his fastball was like 89-90. And we're used to seeing Sale in the mid-90s. And, and, and so, and then Sale obviously had injuries last year. Um, but what, I mean, you're already rule. it's February 27th and you're already ruling him out. You're already saying he's going to be on the IL. I don't know how you could know that this early, unless you know that there's some type of injury there, not just an illness that set him back two weeks. Makes no sense to me. It, it just, I'm baffled by that. I'm baffled by it. And I'm okay if you want to take it slow with Chris Sale. But when we talk about taking it slow with Chris Sale, my definition of taking it slow with Chris Sale is more like, you know, put a put a pitch count on him in the first couple starts. Like, I mean, he's at the end of the day, he's a big boy under a big contract. It's time to go pitch. You know, you can set up a regimen for a guy. You can set that up. You can you can put him in an early season situation in which, you know, you're not asking him to to go out and throw nine innings. You can do that by putting a pitch count on him, putting an innings limit on the guy. You don't got to put him in the IL because he missed two weeks with an illness. Ah, it's just it's too much for me. I don't believe it. He's got to be hurt. And they're not telling us. And I almost wish they would tell us because then I would feel better about him going on the injured list to begin the regular season and miss an opening day because that opening day start for your race, that used to mean something it, to other people. It still means something to me, and that's why I'm baffled today that on February 27th, the Boston Red Sox, the same offseason here, that that they have traded their best hitter, their best player all around, fielding everything, Mookie Betts. Again, I'm not trying to say they shouldn't have made that move. You know how I feel about it. I think they had to make the move because Mookie's agent told them they were going to free agency no matter what. Um, and they were ne- the Red Sox, it's a smart decision to not pay anybody $420 million. I don't care who you are. You're not going to pay anyone $420 million. Sorry, you're not. I've already done the Mookie bet stuff. But you trade him, and in the same, you know, month period, you're telling us that your ace, and by the way, you trade David Price too, But and your ace can't go opening day? And you're telling us it's a month before the season? Because he, because he, he was ill? Because he was sick in the middle of February? I mean, dude's making a lot of money. Chris Sale's making a lot of money. You had the flu in mid-February, so you can't start opening day a month and a half later? And you're the ace for a team that just traded maybe the guy that was battling you to be the, the co-ace in David Price? I don't, that's just, this is something that doesn't, it doesn't, this story doesn't sit well with me at all.
I've defended the Red Sox for a lot of stuff. I, I, I don't know. I don't really get this. I don't. I'm not going to lie. I don't get it. I'm baffled by this. Opening day, your opening day starter used to mean something. And Renicky's down there like, I don't know who the opening day starter's going to be. Well, well, figure it the fuck out, please. Because you're the Red Sox. Okay? This is crazy to me. But that's the news. That's the news of the day. Uh, it's a tough day for news. I guess it gives everybody something to talk about. But um, as spring training rolls along, you know, there are other stories that we keep an eye on. And one of them is the Astros. They've been hit. What are they? They've had five or six guys hit by pitches. Now, a lot of them I've seen have been breaking balls that get away. <laughs> and I get it. Like, you can't really, if you get hit with a breaking ball that maybe gets away, you can't charge the mound. But is this going to be a thing where now these guys are just going to use breaking balls as a way to go, oh, what, you got away from me. Oh, I, I hit Altuve again. That was a breaking ball, though. Got away from me. Look, these pitches, I went on a rant last week about how all the outrage in Major League Baseball was turning me into an Astros fan, and it is. It was and it is. But the pitches, I get it that they're frustrated. And I think pitches, they're real, that's real frustration because they don't want to get their signs picked. But I think that, you know, if they start, if they come out this season and this, they just throw at the Astros and hit them constantly with pitches, that's an awful look. Not just for the pitches, but the league. Like, I think Manfred needs a step. Like, this is that would be Manfred's fault, in my opinion. I know you can say, well, the Astros are the ones doing it. Well, you know what? I've tried to tell you it's not just the Astros, but yet. And, and by the way, the success rate of the garbage barrel, the specific garbage barrel incident, you know. What was the success rate? I mean, I, I get it. The Astros are a good team, but the Astros are still going to be a good team. Okay. They're still going to be a really good team. They still have a stacked lineup. Um, the Astros are a team that's still going to do damage this year. And if we're going to see them hit by pitches nonstop, that's a bad look for the pitches, and it's a bad look for Major League Baseball. I think Manfred's going to – I think he should step in. If you The first guy that throws at someone on the Astros intentionally, I think it is Manfred's job to now – Given over-the-top punishment to that pitcher. You want to start? You want to be sheriff? You want to send messages to the league? Hey, you can't do this. We're going to come down hard on one team, on a couple guys, and make them the faces of cheating. We're going to come down on uh, Hinch and Luno for the Astros, which results in Cora and Beltran losing their gigs as managers for the Red Sox and, and Mets, respectively. You want to be the sheriff? You want to be big tough guy pounding your chest, running around, giving these crazy suspensions? Then guess what? Here's another one you need to give. Any pitches that that start intentionally throwing at the Astros from day one, you better come up with an over-the-top suspension for that pitcher. You want to keep you want to send a message? Well, keep sending messages. What do you want to give them? Well, you you start every fifth game, right? Suspend him for two months. Somebody intentionally throws at an Astros player with a fastball. You know, yeah, I get it. You gotta be again, you gotta. 
you got to judge it the right way. Like, if it is a breaking ball that, like, hits his, hits his shoelaces, like, you can't suspend someone. But if there's a clear-cut, intentional fastball up and in, you know, there's a, there's a runner on second base, Altuve is up, first base is open, um, or somebody, you know, the seven hit is up and first base is open, and all of a sudden the first pitch is up and in, you know, near the neck. Then it, to me, that's on Manfred to step in and suspend that pitcher for two months, and say we're not going to do th- we're not going to do this, guys. We're not going to do this. Much like we're not going to do sl- smashing trash barrels, we're not going to intentionally throw at this team. It's just not gonna, we're not going to let that happen. And you don't have to give that punishment to every team that hits players on other teams intentionally. You just got to do it in this situation right off the bat. You got you Sheriff Manfred wants to send a message. He should continue his message sending with the with the first guy that intentionally throws at an Astros hitter. That's what he needs to do. Be consistent, I guess. That would be a way to do it. You're not going to punish all the other teams and dig into the other teams that are stealing signs in creative ways. So, so you now, it's your job, if you're the commissioner of baseball, to keep an eye on this situation, to watch the Astros games, and if somebody intentionally, if you think, if you deem it intentional, then you should punish that pitcher. You should. It should be an over-the-top punishment. Send the message. So that the next guy that thinks, I'm going to throw at the Astros, he's not going to do that because then he's not going to get paid for two months. Three months. Whatever you want to do. I don't care. The first half of the season. Make the suspension so outrageous that the next team or the next pitcher won't do it. Won't even think about doing it. That's how you need to handle this. I mean, Manfred made his own bed with this story. He did. You can say, oh, the Astros this, the Astros that. I already tried telling you. It's not just the Astros. You know, you believe what you want to believe, but it's not. You know, it's not. So, um, that's where we're at with that story. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, but that's Major League Baseball outside of spring training and NFL offseason news. Of course, the two season, the two sports that are in season and getting close to the playoffs and are now in the final stretch of their respective playoff races. You got the NHL and the NBA. And in the NHL, I was not able to react to the Bruins trade deadline stuff on Monday. Um, so that's what I'm going to do right now. And. At the trade deadline, or before the trade deadline, the Bruins made two separate moves with the same team. They made they made two separate trades with the Anaheim Ducks. And what the Bruins got in return was two... They got two 24-year-old forwards, Nick Ritchie and Andre Akasha. Not, not Case, Akase. Andre Kasha. I believe I'm saying that right. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you how to pronounce it. Imagine I'm getting it wrong. No, it's Andre Kasha. Both 24 years old. Both have another year left on their contracts. They're both wingers. Uh, Nick Ritchie, a little bigger. Ritchie's a big boy, right? He's like 220, 230. 6'2", 230 pounds. You know, that, that big body forward. Uh, to, to And on, at practice today, I believe Krejci was with Kasha and Richie, Nick Richie. By the way, Nick Richie, the younger brother of Brett Richie, who played, I think, like 20-something games with the Bruins earlier this season. Uh, Brett was placed on waivers, cleared waivers last month in January, 
and was sent to the minor leagues in Providence where he currently is at. So uh, you bring in Brett's brother, Nick, who now has been the, he, he's, he was the trade deadline acquisition on Monday at the deadline. Kasha was, that, that trade, that acquisition was made last Friday. So the Bruins added two players, two 24-year-old wingers, both from Anaheim and Kasha and Richie. And the question is, did Don Sweeney do enough? Is that enough? I mean, I question what they gave up. They gave up, they gave up a first-round pick. And if you told me going into the trade deadline, the Bruins would be giving up a first-round pick, I would have told you they would get a better return than a combination of Kasha and Richie. Now, it turns out the reason the Bruins gave up the first-round pick is because they needed to give up a little more in order for Anaheim to take on David Backus's contract. Backus, the Bruins have made it clear, like, he is just not playing for this team anymore. Backus thinks he still has something left. The problem with that is, you know, you get a guy you're not going to play and not even going to consider letting play anymore, a veteran player, and he's under contract next season for another $6 million. So you'd love to get yourself out of that contract. The Bruins had to give up a little bit more in order to do that. So that's why they, you know, that's why the Ducks were probably like, well, you know what? You got to make that second round pick a first round pick. Or you got to make that, you know, maybe what were they giving up? A third and a fourth? I don't know. Whatever they're giving up. You got to make, turn that into a first round pick. We'll take on David Backus's contract for you. We also want Don, we also want Heinen. That's, that's what we want. Give us Heinen. And the Bruins did that. Heinen, Backus, the rest of Backus's contract, and a first-round pick for Kasha and Richie. And the question is, did the Bruins do enough? They're the best team in the league right now with 90 points. 9-0, 90 points. The most points in the league. Um, You know, they got this core that is coming off a heartbreaking, soulless Game 7 loss in the Stanley Cup Final at home to the St. Louis Blues. The Cup, once again, hoisted in their building by the other team. Happened in 2013 with the Blackhawks at the Garden. Happened last year with the St. Louis Blues at the Garden. But you got this core that's been in those two losses. You know, the Bergerons, the Marchands, the Charas, the Tukas. You, you, you don't, these guys aren't getting any younger. How many more shots are you going to have with Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, Chara, Tuka, playing at this level to the point where you're the best team in the league. How many more shots are you going to get at this? You don't know. So is this the year, if you're going to give up a first-round pick, is this the year you give up that first-round pick and you're going for it? Look, when they gave up this, here's the problem I have with this trade. I, I, there's, two, there's two things, two ways I respond to this. One, I have a problem with it. And two, there's also part of me that understands it based on things that we've seen in the past with the Bruins at the trade deadline and what the end result of those trades was in the Stanley Cup playoffs. One, what I don't like about it is you have a group, you should be going for it, you give up a first-round pick, and this is your return? You gave up a first-round pick in order to get rid of David Backus's contract? To worry about what you got in the salary cap next year? I didn't want Don Sweeney worrying about next year. I want him worrying about right now. You were a game away, a win away from a Stanley Cup last year. 
I wanted to see Don Sweeney get a little nuts. I already told you that in the show a couple weeks ago. And if you told me then he was going to give up a first-round pick and Heinen, I'd say, well, he looks like, sounds like he might get a little nuts. Is Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie, is that getting nuts? It's not getting nuts. I know Ritchie was a, what was he, the 10th overall pick in the draft five years ago? Is that what he was? That's good. But I mean, his career has obviously not panned out to be the type of player that uh, was deserving of being number 10 overall in any draft for any league. So, I mean, is this enough? Did Sweeney get nuts? He didn't get as nuts as I wanted him to get. And I know I was saying on Twitter that I wanted the Bruins to bring back Joe Thornton. I don't think that would have been getting nuts either, but there was something about that Joe Thornton story that would have been so special that I convinced myself that for nostalgic purposes only, I needed to see that. Um, It didn't happen. I feel bad for Jumbo Joe. You know? I, I want to see him hoist La Coupe more than I want to see anyone hoist La Coupe. He won't be doing that this year. He might never do it. And that's that's disappointing to me, you know? It's disappointing. I I don't ever get to do it. <laughs> never mind how I feel about someone else who has the actual, who actually has a, you know, can make the attempt. It's possible for them. Uh, but for Joe Thornton this year, it's not possible. I would have loved to see the Bruins make that move. For nostalgic purposes, he would have helped too. But that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been, let's get nuts, right? There are a couple forwards that were out there that it's like, you know, let's make that move. I, I think when you had Cry to sign the extension with the Rangers, uh, that took a player off the board for you, obviously. Um, but I, I also told you, like, yeah, we're focusing on these two or three names at the deadline, these offensive players. I wanted to see Don Sweeney go out and make someone available that nobody was talking about. You call a team, you go, we'll give up this, that, the other thing, and get the team going, uh, maybe we can't turn this down. You know, that's what I wanted Don Sweeney to do. He didn't do that. He gave up a first-round pick. He did not get the return on paper that I thought he would be getting if he was willing to give up a first-round pick. And I think the mindset was to give up the first-round pick in order to get rid of Bacchus's contract, which, you know, it sounds like to me, you're thinking more about next year's cap, salary cap, than you're thinking about this year's cup. And I'd rather have you thinking about this year's cup more than next year's cap. But that's just one part of it. The other part of it is, based on things that have happened with the Bruins over the years at the trade deadline, I cannot sit here and tell you that the season's over. They won't win the cup because they made underwhelming moves at the deadline. Or at least received underwhelming acquisitions. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you that they won't win the cup. Because... This does kind of feel like 2011. Chris Kelly, Rich Pevely at the deadline. Moves that... Again, I'm not, I'm not sitting there criticizing Kasha and Richie and being like, you know, they're bad players. They're not going to help. They're not depth. You know, it's not... For depth purposes, you know, and things that... Little things they're looking to do, maybe with Richie being a little heavier team on the forecheck like that. They're going to help the Bruins. But is it enough to help them to, to, to get to Game 7 again? It's a long journey. And then win that Game 7. Like, the reason I'm hesitant to say, the reason I'm hesitant to throw in the towel, say it's not enough, 
the Bruins are done is because I look at 2011. You get two forwards and Kelly and Peverly at the deadline. Those aren't overwhelming acquisitions. Those, those aren't major names that you're bringing into your organization. But they were certainly names and players that helped the Bruins win a Stanley Cup in 2011. You know, just things like Chris Kelly on the penalty kill. Like, things at the trade deadline you don't really think of could help you in the postseason. Right? Um, and I know they added Caballet that year too, but, you know, that never did anything for me. The Caballet was a walking turnover in his own zone. He was feeling the pressure. Uh, but, but this deadline definitely kind of reeks of Kelly Pevely. Do the Bruins, t- does this, do they turn it into a cup like they did in 2011? I have no idea. I got no idea. But um, I will say that I wanted Don Sweeney. I am a little disappointed that Don Sweeney didn't get crazier than he did at the deadline. I am disappointed. Um, but we do that a lot, right? You don't get the big name. We do that a lot. You know, you don't get the major superstar disappointed. But based on the history, you have to acknowledge 2011. Were we, were we sitting here at the, after the 2011 trade deadline going, Kelly and Beverly going to help win the Bruins of Stanley Cup? No, we were not doing that. No, we were not doing that at all. We weren't doing that at all. And what happened? The Bruins end up winning the Stanley Cup. So uh, keep an eye on it. I'll react as this season plays on. And I'll also continue to react in the NBA to what the Celtics are doing right now because the Celtics, with their win in Utah last night with a late-night win on Wednesday night, the Celtics have won 11 of their last 13. 11 of their last 13, they wrap up a West Coast trip with that win over the Jazz. Tatum had 33 points last night against Utah. Jason Tatum is the story right now and, I mean, he's been the story for the last month because he's, he's, he's taken his game to a new level. Jason Tatum played in his first All-Star game, certainly won't be his last. And after the All-Star game, the Celtics come back. No Kemba Walker for the last four games, by the way. He's got an injury. And what, did he get hurt in the All-Star game? That's not something you want to see. However, Tatum has taken his game to a new level. It's almost like we don't even we don't even think of Kemba Walker being done. That's how good Tatum has been. The Celtics lost to the Lakers on Sunday. After the game, LeBron James posted an Instagram of LeBron and Jason Tatum sitting on the scorer's table during the game waiting to check into the game. LeBron posted that picture. And the captions the caption in the caption he called Jason Tatum the young king. Now, you can knock LeBron James all you want. And you will. You can knock him all you want, and you will. But you have to acknowledge that when someone like LeBron is gonna praise the 21-year-old Jason Tatum like that by crowning him the young king. That means something. That is, to me, that was like a, whoa. 
Really? Like, I know Jason Tatum is good. I know other people around the league know Jason Tatum is good. I know he's all-star potential here for the next 10 years. But for LeBron to call him the young king? And then to see how Tatum has elevated his game and taken his game to a new level over the last month? Really? We'll say the last 10 games. Tatum is averaging 31 points per game over the last 10 games. He's incredible. We always knew the skill set was there, though, right? Like, the skill set isn't... Like, from a from a skill set perspective, I don't know that he's doing anything that's jumping off the screen different to what we know he could do, to what we know he did two years ago when they made the playoff run, Um, you know, when Kyrie and Hayward were both injured, right? When they went to Game 7 of the East Finals. Like, you know, Tatum played great. The skill set, we know it's been there. He's combining that skill set with a level of confidence. It's the confidence that is jumping off the screen when you watch Jason Tatum play. His confidence is through the roof. And it's tough to describe. You have to see it. But when you watch him, I don't think you're seeing a player with a whole new skill set. You're seeing a player that has taken that skill set and has combined it with this type of confidence in his own game and with that combination, is making him one of the best players in the league. It is. It, Jason Tatum right now is one of the best players in the NBA. He's 21 years old. And what I told you last year, this month, last year, I wrote a column for the Boston Metro newspaper. And it was right before last year's trade deadline. And there were rumors that the Celtics could add, they could do this, they could do that. Remember, Anthony Davis was on the table, possibly, for the Celtics. And people were saying, well, you're going to have to give up Jason Tatum. And I told you, do not give up Jason Tatum. He has to be untouchable. I told you that. That was my column. That was the headline. Make Jason Tatum untouchable. Not just because of the potential we all knew he had, but also because he was the rebuild. We talk about tr- when they traded Pierce and Garnett to get the Brooklyn Nets picks. How long do we talk about those Nets picks? The Brooklyn picks. They turned into Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I mean, Jalen Brown basically an all-star too. I know he didn't make the team, but I mean, he could have. And those at the core, like that is the rebuild right there. Brown and Tatum, that's the rebuild at the core. And I didn't think you should give that up for an Anthony Davis. I didn't think you should give that up for anybody. And what I told you was, it's possible that the Celtics, and I even said this when they had Rozier, you know, forget about Kyrie, I told you that the Celtics are positioning themselves to be the next Golden State Warriors with players that they drafted and players that suddenly come together, a trio of guys that turn into a powerhouse. People forget that the Warriors turned into a powerhouse before Durant got there. People forget that Durant went to the Warriors because they were a powerhouse. People forget Durant went to the Warriors because Durant couldn't beat the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors became dominant with guys that they drafted that came together, played with confidence, combined that confidence with their skill sets, and were unstoppable. And what happened then was you attract other big-name players like a Durant, to, to want to go play for you. And what I told you the Celtics were trying to be and could be are the next Warriors. You draft these players, you get those Brooklyn picks, you build around Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
I told you at the time Rozier was part of that. Ended up not being a part of it. Now it's Kemba Walker. All right, Gordon Hayward's here. But, you know, if they, I told you at the trade deadline this year, if they traded Gordon Hayward, I would have been just fine with it. What Jason Tatum is showing you right now is kind of confirming what I believe to be true with this Celtics organization, which is that a player like Jason Tatum can turn this thing around. Him, Jalen Brown, Tatum is at a, he's at a level right now where it is kind of like, whoa, when LeBron James calls him the young king, right? But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but he's right. Like, I don't think anyone's arguing with him. There's something special going on right now with Jason Tatum. It's not that he has this new skill set with this little, you know, step back three. You know, these crossovers, these one-on-ones. It's just the confidence. This kid now isn't questioning, can I be one of the best players in the league? He makes the all-star team. He's seeing people like LeBron James call him the young king. He knows he's one of the best players in the league. And you see that with every little ISO crossover through the legs, step back jumper, like Jason Tatum, every dunking on guys, he's a beast. He's 21 years old. 21. Imagine being that confident when you're 21. Crazy, but he is. And he combines it with that skill set that was the reason why the Celtics. And look, I acknowledged in my column last year that I got it wrong. Like, I wanted the Celtics to take Markel Fultz. Boy, was I wrong on that. Danny Ainge was right. And the premise of my column was, I was wrong. Ainge was right. Ainge should once again do the right thing by holding on to Jason Tatum. He did. And it it, it may be, I don't know if he ever was thinking about trading Tatum. But if he was, and he ended up, you know, deciding, hey, I'm not going to give him up. It's the best decision he ever made. Because right now, Tatum, he's going to take the Celtics to special places here for the next 10 years. And I think we all knew the potential was there for him to do that. It's just, there's a confidence level that he's playing with right now that, that I don't know, I don't know if anyone, no one could predict some, no one can predict someone's confidence level. No one can sit there and go, this kid one day is going to get so confident that you know, he's going to, you, you got to have it. You got to rip open a guy's chest and want it. Does he got it? He's got the skill set, but does he, does he get it? Especially in a city like this. I think what Jason Tatum is showing us here over the last month is that Jason Tatum has it and then some. He's the young king. All hail the young king, Jason Tatum. The Celtics now currently the three seed in the East. What are they, a game behind? Who are they game behind? Toronto? Um, credit Toronto, by the way, 42 wins, 42 and 16 record a 42 and 16 record. They're eight games behind Milwaukee. The Celtics are nine games behind Milwaukee credit to Toronto. The guys, they lost, they, they lose Kawhi and Danny green. And here they are. I think of the guys they lost over the last two years, right? Um, I mean, you, you make the trade to get Kawhi. So you're giving up something there and you're giving up DeRozan. So DeRozan. Kawhi and Danny Green, and even more than that, and here you are now, defending champs, 42 wins in February. Not bad. Good for them. I like seeing that. I like seeing that. That's a cool story. You know, if the Celtics end up losing at some point, I'll be rooting for Toronto there. That's a cool story. Um, I don't think they'll win it, but as obviously Kawhi was their guy. 
But that's a cool story with the uh, Toronto Raptors, and uh, that's the show. So I'll I'll keep an eye on everything that's going on this weekend with all the rumors, spring training, uh, Tom Brady's future, any other NFL news, obviously the NHL and NBA seasons. And then, um, yeah, before you know it, March Madness will be here. Before you know it, we'll get the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs. So there's a lot going on that we're going to be able to get to here, NFL free agency in a couple weeks. So I can't wait to get into all of that. Uh, Enjoy your weekend. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, you name it. Anywhere podcasts are available. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel to get video clips of this show. YouTube.com slash Danny Picard. And, of course, follow me on social media at Danny Picard. I am out. Talk to you on Monday.